1: yeah guy whoa that was an elongated yeah guy (laughs) it is uh, wednesday april 21st scott bass david lee scales with you and we are spitballing we're on the spit podcast all things surf david good morning people love
0: an elongated long guy (laughs) an elongated (laughs) yeah guy
1: oh lord
0: so i got a bunch to catch up with you on scott yeah my favorite thing nowadays is the thing is that um, listeners send me <laughs> <laughs> text messages, videos. Remember with you having that collision with Saxon? Yeah. <laughs> I, I've got another video here of you and your morning stretching routine. <laughs>
1: Oh my God, I'm just getting thrown under the bus. Have you seen this video yet? I have. Of course, I have. It was just. It's not only. All over the. It broke the internet.
0: It did. Uh, Not only video of you stretching, but um, what is the word I'm looking for? Commentated. Yes, commentary commentary live live commentary from the beach scott's yeah. stretching routine i saw you go into plow pose your your downward dog downward dog sequence is actually looking very strong i feel like your routine is getting uh you this is getting
1: stronger that is all taylor is the arc method he has this thing called the foundation the five and those are the five foundational stretch moves you do before you even start anything like those are must go-to moves right there to, to stretch out the hips, stretch out the hammies. And, um, yeah. So yoga. that yoga. is, yeah, it is basically it's courtesy of, uh, Taylor Knox, those specific moves. Um,
0: so I was impressed to see you go into that plow pose, your feet, yeah. you're on your back. So to explain to listeners, you're laying essentially on your back, you lift your feet up. So you're, yeah. your back up until kind of your upper butt is still on the ground, but your feet are coming up in the air and then you swing them over your head and touch your toes on the sand behind your head and your shoulders, which are still resting on the sand.
1: Yes, incredible. Yes. Thank you, yeah. do, you fi-
0: do you find that you're able to do big front side hacks like Taylor after you stretch out the <laughs> hips like that?
1: I don't, but uh, I'm certainly trying. I don't end up doing it, but I try. I feel like it's improved, um, I don't know, the low tones, the gutturalness of your yagai. Yeah guy. Okay, well, there's there's, there's that. You know what's, so um, Jamin from Naked Vikings Fins sent me that thing too. He's like, hey, you're getting torn apart on the internet right now. But I want to say, I noticed that you put the new fins in your board. So he, <laughs> not, he noticed that they had sent me some new C-drive fins. So I got the two big twin fin and the, Uh, FCS tabs and I also got the back trailer fin in the FCS tabs and I really like the uh, feel of all three of those boards in that wider twin fin that I
0: have so you were talking about doing that experiment with the little tabs side fins Um,
1: how's it working and what does it do yeah well so mostly I'm stoked on so I rode that board as a twinser I pulled all the twinser fins out put the two c-drive kind of keel fins with the cutaways in it and then the same fin smaller version as the stabilizer in the middle and I'm really digging it because I'm getting all the sort of the speed and the the carry through flat sections that a wide twin fin will give you but a lot of the sort of comfort I guess it is or um, you know that feeling that a center fin gives you that sort of stability and basically the ability to kind of Lay back on your back leg and, and just kind of feel the feel the center line of the board, and um, and get some drive out of that. And so I'm super stoked on it because it has taken nothing away from the the speed and the uh, squirt that I'm looking for in a whitetail board.
0: Perfect. So you're just adding elements. I'm adding. And which board are you riding?
1: Uh, it's a Von Sol Twinser that I've turned into like a two plus one, like a twin fin with a stabilizer. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Uh, where are you headed for this south swell?
1: You know what, I'm not going anywhere. I'm really busy uh, right now. I'm, I'm, I've got a bunch of stuff on my plate. So I like that there's a big hyped south swell because what I do is after the hype, after the swell, I go somewhere and everyone else has laughed and uh so i'm looking at maybe going somewhere in i don't know early to mid may um you know when the second or third sort of smaller south swell rolls through and it's not like everyone's jumping on a plane to go somewhere
0: in terms of locally is it this coming swell forecast to be too big for all your local
1: spots i mean first of all i feel like they're hyping the shit out of this swell yeah uh, i hope i'm wrong i hope it's huge but i don't think it's i just think it's a south swell you right. know like Surfline, you know, they go over the top with this stuff before the swells even hit. It's like, let's, let's call okay. it La Bomba after the swell hits, not before the swell hits.
0: So I've thought about that in recent years. Um, and I always thought it was a matter of sometimes forecasters are wrong. You know, even weather forecasters, they say it's gonna rain and then it doesn't. But the more I've kind of paid attention to Surfline, I feel like it's done for clicks. Like if like creating a big swell event and names around it and a bunch of stories gets people to the website and that's their business. And so even if they know it's going to be five to seven, might they hype it to be 10 to 12, you know, and, and where's the line where that jeopardizes their credibility so that then we stop going to their site.
1: Or you go to their site and you, you sort of put a, um, you know, you put your own spin on the numbers that they're giving you. You know, yeah. now look, it's going to be a solid swell. It's going to be a great swell. I don't think we should poo-poo Surfline for saying. Hey, I mean, it's their job to tell us that there's waves coming. That's that's what they do. That's what we sign up for. And um, you know, I just, I guess, too, we're, the region I'm in. A lot of the south swell bypasses this region and, and surfline's pretty orange county specific i mean yeah. that's where they're located they're huntington they're orange county they're newport they have a massive base of people that follow them there and so you know for 190 to 170 degrees south swell it's probably going to be pumping up in huntington you know now down here it's going to bypass a lot of the spots especially where i surf which is pretty northwest facing but um you know so we'll see the swell we'll see it bypass us and you know we'll drive to Oceanside for closeouts
0: yeah <laughs> um follow-up
1: from last week how did the California surf auction and yeah the California gold surf auction was a huge success we sold all 51 lots we we reached some record numbers um and so it was uh resounding success with um, happy buyers and happy sellers. And it was really good for the vintage surf market, you know, to to sort of elevate the market space and to um, keep the market alive and functioning and robust. What records did you set? Uh, I, I mean, I don't have the exact numbers on records, but if anyone saw the auction and followed the auction, they know that we hit it out of the park.
0: Uh, did the rabble rousers who are looking to take the Decat model to Malibu for a surf, did they win the board?
1: My gut sense is that no, they didn't win any. I didn't see them. If they did, they certainly didn't announce it anywhere.
0: Okay. But you don't, you didn't, I you mean, don't have access if, to who wins what?
1: Well, I do, but I can't match up the names oh, of the okay. winners with this guy's um, instagram account
0: gotcha, gotcha. you would th-
1: <laughs> you would think that they would if they had won something they'd be chatting it up right
0: yeah yeah i haven't i haven't been tracking them i just figured we would cover it um well good congratulations man that's huge
1: yeah yeah it was good it was it was a good thing and we're we're gearing up for the october boardroom show and the october california gold surf auction which are will be happening the same weekend in Delmar.
0: How many boards did you acquire through the auction? Me personally? Yes. None. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Good. Leave some for other people, Scott. Yeah. Um, I was talking about your warm up, your stretching warm up. You know how Tom Curran warms up for a session nowadays? Roller skates. Close.
1: Skim boards. <laughs> oh, that's so great! I love that video. That video is great. I can't tell you, you can't get enough Tom Curran. He's you really can't. He's all I, time. So I was wondering this. Actually, this could be a a topic of conversation. Um,
0: Can you get enough of Tom Curran? I feel like they hit the zenith. I mean, they really hit it out of the park with Free Scrubber. And now I almost feel like with this San Francisco video, it's like kind of strike while the iron's hot. Let's send a camera crew. Let's film Tom. More Tom. And I'm, and it wasn't as good as Free Scrubber. It's good, it's very good, and there's a lot more kind of cultural interest with him playing guitar and they're in San Francisco. There's less quality surfing, but I, it, it, it was, um, again a rung down from Free Scrubber. Then I thought, well, what's coming next week? Tom Curran hanging out around the house you know doing dishes like where does the and even then might that be actually more interesting than Free Scrubber maybe he's using the Free Scrubber that he found in Mexico you know
1: yeah the the uh, what was it called I'm with the band or something like that yeah yeah um you know again the sort of the charming parts of that are when Tom's just riffing and talking and just you know being Tom wherever he may be and the, the sort of the downside of that is when you can tell that the, the producers or the director are like, okay, let's get Mason and Connor together to sit down and kind of riff about Tom as if it's a natural, which it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Or, or let's get them walking down the park together, talking about Tom and you know, like some of it was like too produced or too directed. Yeah. I guess I should say, but, you know, the, the brilliant stuff is when Tom's like trying to, trying to get those guys to get involved somehow, you know, and anyway, yeah. I, I don't think you can get enough Tom,
0: but. Okay. So what I'm, what I'm taking from you and I actually agree with is Mason, I, when I said this uh, is a step down from free scrubber, it's because there's Mason and Connor in it, who we love on their own, but. We just want more Tom. So actually it doesn't even matter about the surfing. There no. should be surfing in it. But if it was yeah. a reality show following Tom, there would yeah. be surfing in that. And that would be amazing. Exactly. All right. Let's I, I Let's it, Rip Curl. Would, Get on it.
1: I would absolutely watch it.
0: See, I was thinking that it was just, when I brought this conversation up, I thought maybe there'd be a, a point of diminishing returns with, with Tom. and
1: Well, there I, might be. We just haven't gotten there yet.
0: I would, that's my life's greatest goal is to get to that point with Tom. <laughs> Oversaturation <laughs> with Tom, fat and bloated with Tom so that I don't even want him anymore.
1: He's great. He, he's, he's the best. He's great. He's an artist. Yep. And,
0: yeah. Um, I've got more feedback from last week that can lead us directly into uh, the Being Classic if you'd like, or do you have sure. somewhere else?
1: Okay. Yeah, no, that's fine
0: we were talking about um, Carissa Moore's 9.9 air that she did and whether or not it was a 10. Yeah. And you referenced the fact that there was a little hitch in her landing. And so you said, Hey, David, was that, could that have been better? Yes. And I agreed it. yes, it could have been better without that hitch. And you said, well, then it's not a 10. I got this listener from Negatron. I got, I'm sorry. I got this email from listener Negatron you know negatron
1: do i i don't know it sounds negative (laughs) sounds like a hater uh he he's the
0: common or i'm sorry the uh moderator on beach grid's comments section oh and he said he's been in that role for years now so he's pretty well known to the uh to that community Uh, but
1: it sounds bad it's like it's gonna come back come out it's pretty hard here
0: (laughs) He said, hey, Dave, just listen to spit in your conversation about Carissa's 10. I'll preface this with that I'm the head judge on my island and a judge to a national level. What I drill into my panel is that a 10 shouldn't be reserved for only a perfectly written wave. Simply put, it's just the highest possible score a judge can give a competitor. You got to reward what's done, not what isn't. So if somebody got a double barrel, crazy, crazy two barrel sections, and then they went for a massive punt, but they end up falling on the closeout section, it's a 10 all the way. Forget the falling off. Punishing the mistakes only promotes safety surfing. Did uh, And then he said, I also had a chuckle about the online outrage of Chris's wave only being a 9.9, 0.1 off the mark. <laughs> you know, that's kind of a funny thing to quabble about squabble about but a 10 is a sentimental or a uh i don't know it's bigger than just you know 0. one more than a 9.9 what are your thoughts on negatron's scoring
1: i think that's really insightful i i've actually never really looked at it like that like you know this idea that um reward what happened not what could have happened or didn't happen um
0: it's a whole different mindset right
1: yeah and it's and it makes sense especially that last part of it where he said you know it it sort of quashes uh progressive surfing when you think of things like when you think about it like that so i'm i'm really uh, a big fan of his insight there i think that's really well stated and and uh, it makes tons of sense it does when you use the examples
0: the, the example that he used it makes perfect sense The problem with Carissa's wave was that it just wasn't a double gaping bear like there's tens that are unequivocally tens you know that you watch it everybody's mind is blown
1: you know the the great i'm sorry to interrupt but i'll just this came to my mind tens are like pornography you know you don't know how to describe it but you know it when you see it
0: yes the uh the the court's definition of pornography and that's totally true so in that example he gave everybody knows it's a 10 the time, the moment those surfer gets spit out of that second barrel. Now, no matter, no matter what they do after that, it's kind of just icing on the cake or it's, um, it's celebratory for the surfer, actually, you know, of the two barrels, knowing that they got the 10. With Carissa's, it wasn't as definitive. Some people would say it was, I suppose, but it wasn't as definitive. It was a waist high to shoulder high wave. She had to pump down the line. You know, there was another surfer would have surfed it to a four, let's say, whereas a double barreling wave, it's either 10 or one. So the wave itself didn't have the score in it necessarily. It was Carissa's maneuver. And so that's where you then get into these kind of fractional differences between the judges. But I still tend to agree with what Negatron says. The overall idea that uh, deducting scores for things that weren't done uh, promotes safety surfing.
1: Yeah, that's the and that's a dangerous
0: that's a dangerous place to get into because we've seen that a lot in the past.
1: Yeah, I mean that gets us to Frederico (laughs) Borias, actually. (laughs) I I actually think Frederico surfed as good as I've ever seen him surf in my life. Like Then why do do we still not care? I don't know. But actually that one, remember when I chimed in, I'm like, Hey, Frederico, uh this could be boring or whatever. He was actually absolutely killing it. Like those backside hacks he did were mental and they were huge. And they were, they were like long railed and just gaffing. And, and the spray was magnificent and, I mean, that's as good as I've ever seen him surf. He was, he's out of his mind, but you but you do kind of ask yourself, okay, well, if that's it, you know, he's never gonna win an event. I mean, is anybody gonna win an event with Gabe Medina? It's so
0: let's start on Frederico. It's undeniable and we really need to unpack why we don't give a crap. And because you're right, everything that you said is true. His timing's phenomenal. Like, and then they show footage of him at J Bay when it was pumping, I think 2017, and he is shredding. They kept showing his heat with Felipe. He's absolutely shredding. And I think to myself, I don't even remember him surfing in that event, you know, (laughs) and he got like a pair of nines. Why do I not remember him? But I remember Felipe's so well. And he's just
1: formulaic. It's a little bit formulaic. And I feel that way about Connor. And I feel that way about a lot of guys.
0: They really need, I mean, they really need to spark, and they need to heed our words. This conversation, they need to somehow absorb because it's transcendent. It's yeah. not, it's, it, it's, it's everybody kind of recognizes that. And there's a reason why they're not getting, I guess they, they, they tend to get consistently good scores, but there's a reason they're not getting excellent scores. And it's just, it's not exciting. Well, they're I missing would, the element of
1: excitement. I would argue to, to you, David, and to the listeners that we've gotten to a place in professional surfing where there are, there re- we've always argued for this, like 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 let's limit the amount of surfers in these events. But now within the 32, there are a definite, I would say maybe six, and we can talk about how many there are, that are heads and shoulders above the rest of the field. And we know who those six are, right? Basically, in my opinion, Let's say there's 10 which I don't know how well, many are there first, of, first all, of all but you know what I'm saying like well there that, is such within... a level of difference between Elo and Gabe and that crew and the Fredericos and the Ace Buckins that that it's night and day they shouldn't even be in the same competition together
0: A 100% but even you said six there's yeah. strata's within that six I agree but we got to cut it somewhere Well I agree I think but, 10 but or for converse 10 is the right number for like being able to cycle in people like Morgan Siblik to be yeah. able to upset John, John Florence's
1: Yeah, 10 is enough. Who's your list? Give me your list of, of guys. Well, the obvious, the obvious that have separated themselves, right. You Gabe, um, John. John, John,
0: And um, then right below. So that's a strata right there. And then I would say there's also right below that you yeah. then have Felipe, yeah. um, a griffin Colapinto. See, i think felipe jordy is in smith
1: the, in the top and the, there's four of them right there felipe ilo Gabe, and john john i think i don't
0: know okay well anyway we... now we're
1: nitpicking i didn't mean to interrupt but go keep going you got so, your four with felipe
0: so then i would say uh griffin Colapinto. yeah um jordy smith yeah Kanoe garashi yeah and then the, that's kind of a, a second tier strata i would what say. about julian And then right below that, you have Julian, who's kind of earning his way out of it, every single uh, competition. And then you've got Morgan Siblik, you've got uh, Jack Robinson, you know, there's kind of, I don't know. about like
1: Ryan Callahan
0: or Ethan Ewing? Ryan Callahan and Ethan Ewing fit into there. Um, And that's where it becomes our concept becomes difficult to define because all those, that last level of surfers that we're trying to define, could get a 20th in one event and then they can get a second in the next event. Yeah. So it's kind and Frederico Marías did that, you know, I think he got a third maybe in this event. So it's tough to decide who those surfers will be, but that's really what the QS is for. And maybe there's some in between the QS and the CT, there's some kind of um, B league, not B league. I don't know what the right way to define it would be, but, where there's these guys kind of waiting in the wings that are constantly sharpening their knives and they're we know they're kind of Yeah, but see I I I agree the QS with you. has hundreds of people on it. So they can't you can't relegate
1: Federico Moraes to the QS where he's battling with people who just are well, no names. I look at it like this. It when we look at the top, say six or top four or whatever, are is Wade Carmichael or Frederico Marías or Ace Bucken ever going to produce the types of dynamic surfing we see from those top four? I'm not saying they're not going to do power surfing because those top four can do the power surfing. They can You're right. do no, they're never going to. Yeah. And and so it's kind of like, why are we wasting everyone's time?
0: Well, we've harped on it a lot and we still don't have an answer because. The other thing that I always harp on is it takes two full days of competition to get rid of four surfers. And the four surfers that we get rid of in those two days of competition, I'm talking about the first two rounds, you read their names off, they are never going to win a world title, like full stop. And then secondly, they're never going to win an event. And then thirdly, they're never really even going to challenge the surfers that are going to win events and titles. So what are we doing? They're just
1: trading for places be, between well, spot 16 and 22. You look, know? To, to play devil's advocate, let me say, you're right. L- let me say this. We're sort of speaking in the context of Newcastle and Narraveen and basically shitty waves. And this all leads us to, you know, what you and I and everyone knows is that, like, if you put Wade Carmichael and Frederico Marias at 12 foot French beach break, yeah, they should be in the event you know, there's probably not going to be a lot of like, you know, Jadson Andre aerials, you know, there might be a few at the end of some waves, but they're probably not going to be scored. If you get an insane eight foot spitting shack somewhere in a Hasegor, you know, it's going to score higher than like an an aerial at the end. If you tag a little aerial at the end of that wave. So uh, maybe we're just, we've got like, too much focus on these last two events
0: i don't think we do i think th- the names that we gave kind of the stratas that we defined yeah uh apply whether you're at 12 8 foot chopu 12 foot pipe or trestles or beam. yeah i think i think the problem uh with these two events is that it nullifies the best surfers skill sets so it nullifies Jack Robinson, it nullifies John, John Florence. And people could argue against that and be like, yeah, well, the best surfer in the world should be able to surf in every wave. But it's like, no, we're at a point where we wanna see the most refined surfing surfers in the world, surfing in the most refined waves in the world, something that you and I cannot do, put them on the speedy section at G land and see who can take, take off latest on the biggest wave and manage that speed and get the best, best barrels, you know, and negotiate them because you and I can't do that. And that's what these guys have trained to do. And they're qualified to do. So seeing them, seeing them surf in a beach break and then lose to a wild card or rookie or whatever is good for the rookie. It's a good little storyline, but if the goal is to get the best surfers and the best waves in the world and watch the sport progress, we are definitely not hitting that goal.
1: Yeah. It's we're in a, we're in a weird spot because, um, well, I mean, basically look what we need to do is get these guys at Gland and at Cloudbreak and at pipeline. And, and we, and I know this is just an off year with COVID it's weird, but, but as I'm looking down the ratings here, you know, Jack Robinson's in 13th. Um, Owen Wright's an interesting case, right? Owen Wright's in 27th place. Holy cow. Wouldn't you say Owen Wright is in your top 12? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so that's, I outlined a scenario at the
0: beginning of the year before this year kicked off. And I said, yes, we need to make special accommodation for COVID. You know, like, okay, yeah, let's have a little grace. Maybe we do events at crappier spots. But I also said one of the uh, risks of this is that somebody could get bumped off tour this year? Yeah. Who deserves a spot on tour like Owen Wright? If Owen Wright got kicked off in the year that we surfed knee-high beach breaks, and now you have QS Warriors who are making it onto tour to replace him for next year, and then we end up at Cloud G-Lan, you got to watch the QS Warriors. That's a real shot in the foot. And so, and I'm all, and this is all said with the caveat of what we've explained week after week, which is. This wasn't the only option. It's not like, oh, COVID forced us into Australia or into Narrabeen and, and um, Newcastle. Yeah. No, it didn't actually. We could have run boat trips in Kandui, uh, any, any number of spots that you and I have detailed over the last couple of months. And then furthermore, we should have run at Sunset Beach. Let's not forget the reason why we didn't run at Sunset Beach is because WSL staffs Staffers contracted COVID at pipeline and then the rest of those events got canceled. So this wasn't like, Oh, it's just a COVID year. There's a bunch of decisions that were made in advance that have us that were made in the decision in uh, WSL offices that have us surfing at Narrabeen and Newcastle. And prior to any of that, we still have surf ranch on the map. Like that was on the, that was on the schedule prior to COVID, no matter what. And that's going to yield the same kind of problems that we're talking about.
1: Well, we've got some, we've got some interesting stuff coming up. You know, I look at Jack Robinson, 13th place uh, with Western Australia on the schedule here coming up. Do you feel like, I mean, we can't get inside Jack Robinson's head, but, and I've asked you this before, but. Do you feel like there's some pressure on Jack Robinson going into Western Australia? Like he's expected to, to make, I would suggest to you, he's expected to be a semifinalist. Some might even say finalist.
0: He, he is. And we've seen that plague Michel Berez at Chopu. We've seen it plague um, some of the Brazilians when we go to Brazil. I don't think that that plagues Jack Robinson. I think his expect he's feeling the weight of expectation as a whole on tour. You know, he should be a top performer and he isn't performing at the top, but he's such a natural at home in the West that I just think he just his, I don't know, 50% surfing at any of those breaks will get him to the quarterfinals.
1: Yeah. And 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 then that leads me to Jordy, who's got a fifth and two ninths. I would suggest to you that two ninths at Newcastle and Narrabeen, I would take that if I was Jordy. I'd be like, all right, okay, you know, that's not the best. It's not really what I wanted, but it's way better than a 17th, you know. Um, and I've got Margaret River and Rotten S coming up. So I don't know your thoughts on Jordy, where he stands right now relative to he's seventh.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Seventh is not a win for Jordy. I agree with what you're saying. It, those events were such wild cards and variables, like for certainly for John John, um, that he could have just gotten a lo- uh, a last place based on getting a flat heat, not getting two waves of scoring potential with scoring potential. So yes, a ninth, you can kind of like chalk it up as a, as a draw, I guess. But Jordy should always be in title contending positioning.
1: You know, I think in seventh place with you know whatever we've got, maybe six more events potentially on the schedule. That's not a, I mean, I know it's not best case scenario, but it's certainly not worst case scenario to come out of <laughs> Newcastle and there being with two nights. I, you know, I know, and that's so that, you know,
0: if you use uh, Julian as the comparison, you know, like Julian is wow. the worst ca- is the worst case scenario. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, he, let me ask. Okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well. I, Do you think Idolo got ripped off?
0: That's exactly what I was going to ask you. You talking about Idolo's air? Yeah, that heat. So Idolo, I mean, really what what we're talking about is the air that was deemed incomplete. He got a closeout right, and he just basically just one pump into the section, full rotation spin into the flats, and landed on his feet, but didn't quote right out of the wave. So what happened was he landed on his feet and... Uh, there was like a explosion of whitewash almost coming from the side. It wasn't even the one that was from behind him. Yeah. It was like, he was on the right. So it was the la- the wave that was kind of running left had kind of an explosion. So as he landed the way, the turn or the air, he was fully planted, fully with the momentum of the wave. There was kind of this sidewash that just blew him out off of his board. And the judges deemed it incomplete as a result. So, the co- and he ends up losing the heat. And he was always looking, it was looking like another Gabriel Idolo final up until that point. Those guys were just, you know, smashing guys in all their heats. And Idolo looked like the better surfer in this heat. Was he against Connor Coffin? Yes. Yeah. On, you know, Idolo, clearly the better surfer in that heat there and just kind of, you need the wave to get the score on. And he manufactured that score, but he landed that air for, let's say, one to two to three seconds before that whitewash blew him out and the judges gave him a one point something. It was an incredible air, it was an incredible landing, but because he didn't ride out of it, they gave him a one point something. To answer your question, yes, I think that he completed the air and that he should have gotten the nine point whatever it was worth.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. And that's some, that's a- Huge mistake? Injustice. It is an injustice.
0: Um, now, I wanna pick this apart uh, number so this was controversial. I'd say the consensus agreed that Edelo should have got the air. Did you see much conversation about
1: uh, siding with the judges? No, I didn't. I didn't okay. see much. I haven't seen much. I haven't done a whole lot of scouring of social media on this. I just watched it and went, oh, oh okay. my god.
0: All right, well, I'm gonna read one uh, dissenting voice. He said, in regards to the Idolo, and airbin, there've been a lot of people that think Idolo got ripped off by the judges on the non-completion score. Um, but I actually agree with the judges. I have a different take. A huge part of the judging criteria is, quote, speed, power, and flow. Edalo has heaps of the first two, but not much of the last. When Idolo takes off, he's over. his overwhelming goal is to get enough speed to launch in air, and that's it. He flies down the line, gaining incredible speed, but he does not see the wave as a whole canvas. Usually, he spots the section and launches in air, usually uh, on a way to score more than a 6.5 or a 7, and he gets a heat win. In the case of the first wave, which people felt was underscored, he didn't see the air section Oh, he talks. Do you remember that first wave that Idolo got in the heat? It was a left where he does like a blow tail and then a couple of carves. He said uh, he didn't see the air section, but he had to slam on the brakes and he performed that fins out, cutback, falling backwards into the whitewash lip and then recovering. Wow, rad. Uh, it's what I would call a hack, not a carve and definitely not any flow in it. And then he recovers and he pulls a relatively standard re-entry. Morgan Siblic's fins out off the top was part of the radical flow combination of turns that made his surfing of the way very pleasing to the eye and extremely radical. I think the judges were thinking the same thing about Idolo's wave. He didn't get the air section. Then he decides to do a power hack to slow him down and then to get two turns in. Don't get me wrong. Idolo's a modern day rubber man uh, and insane skills, but his surfing isn't as pleasing to the eye and doesn't have as much flow. Thoughts so, on that?
1: Well, he just doesn't like idolo's style. Is what it comes down to.
0: Have you ever questioned that when you're watching him?
1: Yeah, I think he can be a little over, um, you know, like a little bit over zealous. Yeah. Perhaps, you know, but but that's kind of Elo. He's kind of like the Tasmanian devil. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of who he is. Like, let's not try to change him, you know, to, to like fit into like the Tom. You know, I'm going to just say Tom Kern, but, you know, to, to pull back the reins to to pull back the bit on him, I think would be a mistake. Is his flow, you know, yeah, his flow isn't Morgan Sibillic flow. You know, it's not even Gabe, Gabe Medina flow. It's just Elo and there is no flow. The flow is just outright 11 on a scale of 10.
0: But it reminds me of a similar or a, um, a better version of Jadson Andre back in the day. Jadson Andre has that same frenetic energy. And when he hit, we didn't know how to process it either. And so we started giving him, judges started giving him tens because the heirs were that radical, but it hasn't aged very well. And so Idolo, I would say, has better style than Jadson, but not a ton better. And his heirs are gnarlier than Jadson. But again, with a decade of progression, that's why they're better. I'm just wondering if with time, this flow kind of, conversation will become
1: a lot more um, obvious it probably will <clears throat> just sort of rise to the top because we're going to start to nitpick things especially between Gabe and Elo yeah um, and, but you look that backside aerial was insane full on he was going full speed full non-stop the spin in the air was incredibly fast it was, it was incredibly technical he probably covered 40 yards it was in it was mind blown so I think the reason why the
0: judges didn't give it a score was that there's been a precedent set for years now of you have to ride out of a maneuver. And that precedent was set, every wave is different and every example is different. So it's very difficult to create this kind of objective judging criteria. And they didn't really analyze that exact maneuver for what it was and the landing for what it was, they really just looked at the precedent, which was you have to write out completely, so we're just going to mark it not, not complete. But if you really analyze it, it was complete, and this doesn't fall under the precedent of people that have laid back and not quite got to their feet or whatever the other examples are.
1: Yeah, it, it's interesting because um, you know it, it makes us look at at this, basically I look at it and I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I'm thinking maybe the judges are like, Hey, was it complete? And in the judge's mind, they might be saying to themselves, if we even have to ask that question, then it wasn't like, if you watch a ride and you have to go, Oh, Hmm. Was that complete or wasn't it? That kind of answers your question. It wasn't complete. Everyone, whenever you see a completed ride, you never say to yourself, Hmm, was that completed or not? You just go, yeah, nice ride. So when you have to ask yourself that question, when you're not sure that question, that uncertainty kind of answers the question for you.
0: I don't know. We're in a whole new world here where the progress, the level of progression is so gnarly and we're seeing degrees of things we haven't seen before that you're going to find yourself asking, I think. And let me ask you this. I'm going to give you two scenarios. If Edalo landed that, the exact same thing happened, but in the one second after he stomps the air, he just sees that explosion coming, let's say, and he jumps off his board, like pin, right. pencil right. pencil drops off the board, like boom, landed it. Next second, jumping off and bailing. Yeah. Would they have given him the score?
1: They may have. And I and I, see, I saw that occur on some other people's rides where I'm like, God, he that's kind of a good move, actually. It's kind of like, that's like putting an exclamation point on it. Like boom, pin drop, I'm done. I did it
0: dismounted on my own volition. Right. You know, like claim to the air, claim to the landing, dismount, I'm out of here. They would have absolutely given him the score. Yeah. And and so similarly.
1: Well, the next question is, could he have done the pin drop?
0: Yes, he
1: absolutely could have. Uh,
0: I think his goal was, no, I'm going to ride out and probably like.
1: Do a big claim. Yeah, do a big claim.
0: So that's the other question is, if in that moment that he landed it, he would have claimed it. Before getting dismant- before getting blown off by the whitewash, would they have given him the score then?
1: Yeah, and I mean, if we're going to start nitpicking about all that stuff, then we're not looking at what actually happened. Well, <laughs> we're focusing I, way too I much. think we Great are question.
0: actually. I think what what we are is- isolating is the judges need to under the surfer needs to kind of stake the claim. No, you know, no pun intended, but like yeah. identify to the judges. That it was on their own volition, and everything that happens from this point on is kind of be after the fact. Right. And so, in either one of those scenarios, Gabe would have been identifying to the judges the completion. The problem is, I guess, with the claim is it it's so insincere half the time. You know, like like yeah. like Adriana De Souza claiming his six point six. I know that was is just cringy. It's that like
1: was, that was cringy. You can't that heat convince was, that he <laughs> was cringy.
0: You can't convince me. Yeah. Yeah. Like Adriano and that it's like, dude, okay. That was your best surfed wave, but you can't convince me that this is an eight. And I almost feel like they should deduct. They almost did. Like it's an insult. (laughs) It's an insult to see you telling me how to do my job. So instead of getting a seven,
1: 6.6. Ooh. You know, (laughs) that heat was interesting. That heat, there seemed like there was some friction between griffin and that right after the heat griffin like ran up to him in a show of good sportsmanship i'm sure his team managers handlers were like yes griffin good move and adriano sort of had to hug it out with him because it's adriano's you know retirement year and he's got to look good he can't go out on a sour note um i
0: didn't so i had the volume down when that heat was on and you were texting me so i was trying to watch and identify what pick up what you were putting down were there words exchanged or anything or
1: I, I had the volume down, too. I just uh, saw the body language and I saw the, you know, there was, you know, this, this contest had a lot of that, had a lot of surfers right next to each other getting in each other's way.
0: I know there's a, some really controversial <clears throat> uh, priority calls, too. And Connor paddling in front of Kanoa, Igarashi, and their, the opening wave of their heat. And Kanoa getting so upset that he actually didn't catch a wave for the rest of the heat was really out of character for him. Totally. Bizarre. Right. And Connor, uh, surfed great throughout the event. And I feel like even elevated his performances, but he got some free passes in heats like that, or like with Idolo, to where he was able to find himself in the final and, I'm not taking away anything from Connor. And I should actually point out that he's been working with Glenn micro hall and Glenn has this magic, you know, I mean, they joke about him being the leprechaun the leper coach, (laughs) 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 the leprechaun, but also because he's from Ireland, but, um, rainbow sent an email and said that he saw somebody refer to him as the leprechaun, coach, which I thought was perfect. And he has some of that magic. He had it for Wilco, and now he's kind of—I mean—he's got it for Connor. Not only be, is Connor getting through heats, but again, Connor is elevated. his surfing—he's surfing better than he ever has. So
1: yeah, there's at least two heats where I'm like, "There's no way Connor gets through this heat." And Connor got through the heat, and that needs to be um, somebody needs credit for that. And I think Connor deserves ninety percent of the credit for that. But there must be something going on where they're just like, "Look, here's here's your formula for winning." You need to get those lefts, fly down the line vertically, do vertical gaffs, try to get two in, finish the wave, and that's and then hope the guy doesn't do a massive error. And Connor pulled it off like two or three heats in a row. He just kind of stuck to those big left gaff turns, finished the wave with a re-entry, and looked solid, and and made it through. Exactly, and I think
0: that is what a good coach would tell you: is Hey, Connor you have been doing this. You've been surfing phenomenally your entire life. You know how to get two crazy backhand turns in. It's not an issue. You don't fall when you do it. So forget about the competition. Forget about Gabriel Medina in your heat. You know how to do two big vertical backside snaps. So go out there, get Two waves where you do it, they'll give you an eight for each of them, and you'll advance through
1: most heats. And he <laughs> you had, sound like a coach, you're convincing me. I'm like, that's all it takes. <laughs> and he did,
0: by <laughs> the way. Um, Gabriel Medina had him comboed in that final, and he went out and he did it again, and he got an eight five and got out of combo at the last minute. You know what I mean? He didn't get the second wave, and he wasn't going to get the nines, yeah. but he can at least make the final with two eights.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so congratulations to that relationship, Brown Hall, yeah. and uh, but this, of course, brings us to Gabriel Medina. Yeah, he's risen mean, above. He is unflappable.
1: He's he's looking incredible, and um, I don't know how you stop him at this point. I really don't, John, John, John. I I don't know. Uh, to me, it's this is between Gabe and Ela from here on out. Well. John John can stop them all at Margaret River.
0: I think there's a couple of things that are still variables that we haven't, you didn't account for right there, which was good waves. If we get these guys in good waves, it certainly evens up, you know, John John can rise up to, and even above those guys. Um, I, I do think you say it's between Italo and Gabe.
1: Well, I think it's mean-
0: got the edge on Gabe when it comes down to those guys going head to head, I feel like Elo has the edge on Gabe. And-
1: uh, I think Gabe's a little more polished competitively. And-, and As far as strategy, as far as number he, of heats surf, as far as number of times in this position where it's like, okay, this is it, it's on. The stats indicate yes.
0: I think when you look at them head to head, Idolo has his number.
1: There that might be fi- a mental thing there that we're not taking into account. Yeah, The final at Pi- The final at Pipeline, where by
0: the way, Gabriel was in pole position. He was the man to beat in 2019. It would have been his third world title. It would have been a second Pipe Masters. He was in first position. He had to just not lose. Idolo wrenched it from him in the final to get the Pipe Masters title and the world title. And I think that that sticks with Gabe in his craw. And then he did it again at at Narrabeen in the final. And he did it in the exact same way that Gabriel used to do it to every single other competitor, which is sharking around the lineup. The score that Idolo got, uh, his second big score at Narrabeen, was when Gabe had priority. And Gabe was sitting on the bank and idolo was inside and way inside in both ways and he caught this long stretched out right and just pumped like a madman to the end section did the air into the flats rode out of it and that was his big backup score and gabe wasn't even looking for that wave you know and and that's what gabe used to do to people and so i think that there's got to be animosity developing in gabriel wanting to defend his you know well, the, right and the, place.
1: I absolutely agree with that. And that's, that's great for the sport and great for the fans. The, the other thing to, to consider here is is Gabe's coach, Andy King, and his role here moving forward and, and what that looks like if, if, for some reason, Gabe either falls off or continues this torrid pace. You know, there's been a lot made of uh, Charlie, Gabriel's father in law, no longer being involved. And Andy King, Australian Andy King, McFanning's coach, I guess, is what I'm hearing when I watch online, sort of taking over this role. And that'll be fun to see how that plays out. And, and, and you know, we'll see. But, you know, I, I don't want to take John John out of the equation, but, um, you know, these last two results. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is we always thought that John John could hang with Idolo and Gabe in shitty waves. And it appears that he can't.
0: Well, we didn't take John John out of the equation. Morgan Siblik took John John out of the equation in both events. Right. And, and that's a pretty big exclamation point, uh, for that young man's career and rookie season. And would John John have lost to a Kanoa Igarashi or Ryan Callinan? Maybe, you know, maybe it is reflective of he can't hang in waves in the same crap waves that Idolo and Gabe can, uh, and would John John smoke Morgan if it were at Cloudbreak or at or at Bell's, one of the venues that was supposed to be on tour this year? And we don't know. Um, and does this get into Gabriel or into John John's head losing twice to Morgan's Siblic? Like, look, losing once, that's one thing, but then going and being able to redeem yourself and not being able to, does that get into his head? These are all great questions.
1: And and you know, you've put it like he lost. I would say that Morgan won. You know, like it's not like it was like he, you know, I, I feel like Morgan won those heats, not John John lost those heats. But speaking of rookie and young surfer on tour, you know, Morgan not getting through that heat with Gabriel was a full rookie mistake. When you have a, I think he had an eight-five or something, or a nine, some incredible score for that tube. Oh yeah, that was so and, sick. And, and to not have a backup of like a six. When they're out there, sixes are out there all day long. And his backup was like a four, four. And this is when he had 20 minutes left in the heat. Like to not get a six is a rookie mistake. And and to not get it immediately, by the way, like you want to get that thing bang. So now you're sitting and waiting for another eight instead of, you know, a four backup and trying to scour for what is it that I need to get through now? You know, you need, and and I, I just feel like that was rookie 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 right there.
0: So, do you know what score he needed by the end of the final by the end of the heat? Was well, it just it was, a six? It was
1: it was Gabe that needed a six something. Gabe got with one second left, Gabe oh, got that score. Right. That's yeah. right. That's
0: right. Okay. So yes, you're that's a great point because if it would have been a Morgan Siblic Connor Coffin final, Morgan could have won the event. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, so
1: let's take a commercial break. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. I gotta get some more coffee. All
0: right, Scott. Back to the show. Um, so regarding Narabeen, one hindsight's twenty twenty, obviously. But did you feel like those two events were wildly similar?
1: Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, I gotta admit, I found myself watching them. I found myself interested in them. I found myself engaged in some of the heats, I would look at the heats and go, okay, these are the three that I want to see, you know? And they usually involved the guys we've been talking about.
0: I just feel like, um, as venues, sure there were rights at Newcastle and there were lefts at Narrabin, but ultimately it's too, you know, yeah,
1: it could mark- have been T street and you're like, yeah, T street was good.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I, I felt like it was, two events that ran really close together that almost felt like one extended event in similar conditions and similar waves. Um, I think one email, I didn't, I should have pulled it up before we, did you see that email from Rainbow?
1: Uh, Yes, I've seen a couple of them, but. um... Yeah,
0: he's been on a roll. Let me find it real quick. Rainbow said, I'm unlikely to watch the event coverage today. Uh, but after after being told that the world's best can only produce mediocre surfing and scoring no, mad, no better than average for two more days, I realized that I don't love surfing as much as the WSL does, and I certainly don't understand the technicality and nuance. Maybe it's an age thing because all the kids on the beach were getting along. They were getting signatures on their broken boards. Honestly, it must be the surfers that are broken throw them all away because none of them is capable of shre- uh, shredding in elite, excellent single freaking wave score. Um, this was in reference to the first couple of days of the event, I think, because by finals day, there were people getting excellent scores. Um, but he said at one point Rabbit rabbited on about Ace Buccane needing only a six point one four, which was well within his capability. And then he choked a blind pregnant pause because he knew the judges hadn't given a score out like that all day. And Joe couldn't fill in because there was honestly nothing to say or nothing to believe in. Uh and of all this Well,
1: Joe can always fill in. Come on. <laughs> it's totally true. There's no doubt that Joe could Joe will fill in. Trust me.
0: Um, and he said, and all this talk of the judges wanting to reward progression that Felipe Gabby and Italo only produce. I saw Italo do just that yesterday. He surfed two waves, whipped out the identical same air reverse on both and was rewarded the exact same score, a six, an average score to win the heat. Clearly surfing progression nowadays is reinforced stagnation.
1: Like the waves are crappy, and this kind of gets us to the our age-old mantra or mine that the waves are the stars. Yeah. When we see eight to ten foot uh, Margaret River, it's gonna be it's gonna be insane. When we see John John taking the tops off, or um, or the box Jack, Jack Robinson pulling into some mental box waves, or they go to North Point. Like the waves are the stars. It, it, you really. You really can't, I mean, you can criticize, you can be cynical, but let's, you know, if I think if you and I just keep hammering home, they're going to eventually get it. And they already know it. We can't have events in crappy waves. You got to really have events in, in perfect waves. We've, we're It's 2021. Yeah. You have the ability to fly 12 guys to perfect waves for a day and a half. You can fly 24 guys to perfect waves for a day and a half and and just, and nail it. And, and this idea of 1983, three to the beach, Oceanside, granted it's COVID, we're going to give, I'm going to give you a pass. I know David's not, but um, if we don't get back to, and, and David, I know you're, you're absolutely right. They could be right now in pumping slab waves in Chile with a 20 foot swell, or they could yeah. be a Puerto Escondido, you know? So anyway, the waves of the stars and until that gets hammered into their heads. We're going to be stuck with whatever we're stuck with, I guess.
0: Well, and this is for their own benefit, by the way, the WSL's goal of growing the audience and all that sort of stuff and getting more sponsors is solvable by truly progressing the sport, which is let those guys fight it out at speedies. Like that, that is progress that gains eyeballs. That is the elite level of the sport watching them duke it out in knee high beach breaks is not progressing the sport. And it's actually, if you can't get rainbow to watch, yeah, you know, that's exactly. a huge problem. And honestly, you and I are really, we're watching because we're addicts and we don't have any other options at this point, but like, this is, this is not what we would choose to do. So.
1: Yeah. They've yeah. You nailed it. We've, we, what this all means is that we need, to trim the number of surfers on tour so that we can get qual- a quality swell, get an event inside of a, qual- a swell window. And that means a day and a half, two days max, boom, boom, clean, tight. And you know what else that means? That probably means more events in better waves instead yeah. of crappy waves, crappy event. It would have way less
0: of the expense of running, like you could run double the amount of events, probably cheaper. Than what they're currently doing. Everybody hunkering down for two weeks.
1: By the way, I ran that concept of having the judges in house in Santa Monica by uh, Joe Trapel. Do you remember you were yeah. sort of promoting that? Yeah. He, w- he was not having it. He was like, no way. He's like, there's one group of people that needs to be on the beach that needs to be assessing the conditions in person to be able, you know, basically he was saying, you got to be there. The judges have to be there. They have to see all the different angles, all the different variables, all the they have they have to just they have to be living it. That's just what he was saying. Yeah. All right. Interesting. I thought you'd um, interested in that. Yeah. Uh, hey, I, do you yeah. oh do you remember we were talking about Sean Penn last week? Yeah. <laughs> so I got an email, I'm sure you did too. It basically I'll boil it down. It says to summarize el chapo notorious drug lord from mexico el chapo was in love with kate del castillo from her television show which is on mexican tv and sean penn became aware of this through a party in hollywood where sean penn met kate sean penn put the mojo on kate and was able to use her to meet el chapo now he sean penn is one of the most hated men in mexico knew a crazy love triangle would lead to the capture of El Chapo. LOL.
0: So I love thank you listener for feeding uh, giving us that feedback because the details get murky after a year or two but um, I'm wondering now was so Sean was trying to get to El Chapo but was it to get him busted or was it just so that Sean could like hang out with El Chapo?
1: I don't (laughs) know. I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me if he just wanted to hang.
0: But it would be, it's equally as surprising if he's working for the government, you know?
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, it was a story for, for like Rolling Stone or Esquire or something. Wasn't he like the journalist or something?
0: Yeah. But I'm wondering when did the FBI get involved? Did they get right, involved because, after they read the story
1: or once they heard he was going to go write a story would, or before he met Kate? I mean, why would, yeah, that's, all of those are great questions, but the bigger as equal a question is why would Sean Penn want to become an investigative journalist for Esquire for the money? I don't think so. <laughs> Sounds like the FBI was involved. It, uh,
0: Esquire does that though. Like they get some A-list celebrity to interview another A-list celebrity just because it's a more interesting angle for the story.
1: Yeah. But I mean, what is Sean Penn's PR person to go? Hey, Sean, I've got an idea. Esquire wants to use you to go to visit El Chapo. <laughs> I mean, doesn't Sean Penn like, Really, that's all you got for me? How about I just do a book signing in in you know San Ramon?
0: There's more clout. I mean, it's kind of it's interesting to go hang out with the world's most notorious drug dealer.
1: That's true. That's true. I mean, I would imagine. I, I've never experienced this, but. yeah.
0: I don't know. Fascinating. Um, all right. I've got a must-see moment for you.
1: Yeah, buddy, what is it?
0: Need essentials. Oh, yeah. We've been waiting for I think a year and a half or so for the, the next film from neat essentials. And this was actually filmed in 2019 prior to COVID restrictions, but it's a four part series episode one dropped last night or the night before last night. Yeah, uh, It's called lost track Atlantic. And it takes you on um, a journey from North from the North Atlantic to the tropical equatorial coast of West Africa, after customizing an old van to become their traveling home, Torn Martin and Ishka Folkwell, who are both former guests of the podcast. Um, and we've been obviously following Torrin Surfing. Most of it is filmed by Ishka. So you're familiar with them. They explore their way through an array of countries and cultures looking for perfect waves and, um, Episode one, Lost Track Atlantic. We will post it. We'll link to it on social media, all that stuff. It is, I mean, I don't know how you feel about North Atlantic. I have part of me that really wants to go explore because it's empty and perfect. It is fickle, but the cold is um, less appealing to me than the warm. What do you yes. feel?
1: I'm, as I get older, somebody told me, they go, you, you can't surf in water that's colder than your age. Ooh, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. So you know. Well, we got we got to keep an eye on that. <laughs> obviously, um, that's a great
0: way to do it. Uh, so obviously, Need Essentials makes the wetsuits, and so that's you know no big deal for Torin. But when you watch the dreamy setups, it's like that's where I want to do my next trip. There's nobody around, and it's just perfect right hand appealing reef waves like with just him by himself and the backdrops are just so spectacular that it's uh it looks new and unique it's not palm trees on the beach you know
1: well you know where you should go is you should go to morocco yeah i know morocco's the land of it's like baja on steroids there's just right points everywhere and you know they're not all perfect but they're all super fun and rippable and long rights that you can do all sorts of dancing on and not so empty anymore though no it's not but you know what it's there's a lot of like swedish german british surfers in their caravan that are all mellow and are just kind of it's not like you're paddling out at lowers right right. and there's 15 12 year olds that are going to be pro surfers in your way and their dad's pushing
0: them in in front of you (laughs) yaden nickel (laughs) yaden's kid rips. Uh, he does okay so um back to the film though. Here's what I love. Here's what I love about their films. Torn Martin. We love the boards. He's riding all those Simon Jones need morning of the earth boards that are all, um, he surfs them. They're so well suited for his surfing and they're also aspirational. So I watch him and I go, I need to ride one of those on a point break and I need to just let it lead the way and I'll just ride with it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then of course, um, Ishka's filmmaking and they have the films scored by a local band in Byron. I guess they're called Headland. And it's like the music, they're complete pieces of art. You know, it's not just radical surfing. The boards are interesting. The filmmaking is beautiful. The music suits it all perfectly. So they're just complete pieces of art. That's what I'm yeah.
1: saying. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. Must see. And that, that stretching video, that morning of the stretch, <laughs> the water was so cold, the upwelling, here the water dipped a couple days ago to like 56 degrees or something it was so cold um from the wind event that happened the night before yeah i need essentials was there for me you know what i'm saying that's right are you in the three two four three
0: four three okay by the way i should also mention um uh pre-orders on Neatessentials.com. there's all sorts of new suits in route and you can, everything that you would need right now, like board shorts and kind of thinner suits are available currently, but pre-orders for all the winter and beyond stuff is in route. So if you want to just lock that down
1: now, need essentials, mm-hmm. yes. com. Good idea.
0: You know how all those shipping containers are backed up at uh, the port.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Pre-order those. Right. Gotcha. Um, um, what else was I going to tell you about? Oh, I was going to ask you that stretching video that we were joking about at the beginning. You said it broke the internet. I haven't seen it posted publicly anywhere. It was all traded
1: privately through text messages. Is it out there somewhere? How, how many people are sending you this stuff? All sorts. Um, yeah. I mean, it was put on the guy who took it. It was put on his story. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's probably gone. Should I post it for people or not? I'd prefer not, which means then you I probably- won't. Yeah, I prefer I've gotten enough grief over it people want to see
0: Scott they want to see your <laughs> stretching regime <laughs>
1: uh, which
0: board you're riding which yeah. wetsuit you're wearing
1: yeah
0: uh, what do you okay I was gonna ask what are you gonna ride for this South swell but it sounds like you're dodging it you're gonna stay home
1: I'm not dodging it I'm just not like I'm not buying in you know what's gonna happen here's know, what's, this this is gonna be an inconsistent steep South swell where I live, like it's going to be better everywhere, but where, you know, the five miles that I track, you know, got it. And so, you know, if it was 210 degrees, then it'd be really inconsistent because of the Island shadowing. But I, you know, it's going to be good. I mean, you know, there's just a ton of hype. I'm I'm just going to wait South swell. I'm going to wait on the hype. All right.
0: I like it. Um, My Duke. This is an unlikely Duke. Gabriel Medina. I really, I feel like we have, and a friend pointed this out to me. I should give him credit. But I think that we have unjustly given him the black hat moniker. The more I watch Gabe, the more I realize I don't know. He seems like a nice guy. Or maybe Charlie was the bad apple. Maybe Charlie's the kook and Gabriel's the Duke because since Charlie hasn't been there, Gabriel is, he's affable. His post heat interviews are actually like likable and good. He's signing all the kids' autographs. He's hanging out. He's taking photos. He's congratulating competitors. I saw Connor Coffin post his uh, 8.5 on Instagram from the final that Gabriel beat him in. Gabriel comments on there, and he's just like, holy cow, that was such a sick wave. You, you like, smashed that thing. He's complimenting his competitors. I think Gabriel Medina is secretly a nice guy, and you and I unjustly called him a kook,
1: or, or the bad guy. Well, that could be. I mean, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I think he's the bad evidence. guy. We need a bad guy. We, need a bad guy. we need a bad guy. We got to have a bad guy. He's our bad guy. Everyone needs a bad guy. <laughs> uh, you know, You know what? he reminds me of Rafa Nadal. I don't know if you watch the World Tennis Tour. Yeah, no, I know who it TV. is.
0: But...
1: Rafa Nadal's a nice guy, you know? But when he's on the court, I want him to lose because I want the other guys that are playing him. Djokovic, I like Djokovic. Or, um, you know, whoever else it is. You know, I, I just... Do you watch I just don't want Rafa Nadal to win?
0: Do you watch tennis to uh pick up insights for your pickleball game?
1: <laughs> They're actually having me send little edits to them about you know little dink moves to do. I'm tight, I'm tight with Djokovic, you know. No. Oh, I see.
0: You tell him to I sit didn't... in the sit in the kitchen and dink it over. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what
1: are you talking about, man? No, I yeah.
0: I'm no over, no him. overhand serving, though, Scott.
1: No, no, I've got a mean serve, bro. Do you? Oh, yeah. All
0: right, po- we'll get somebody you to come from the, the <laughs> sideline
1: and send it. You know who's, you know who plays a ton of pickleball yeah. is Rob Machado. I see Machado out there all the time, and, the, no and the, he's good. Way. All the really, you know, Rob was super, still is obviously a really good ping pong player. Yeah. And um, Machado is super competitive now. And the he's fact- got a he's got a crew. There's a crew. His crew is he, like his crew. Is like you sit and you watch and you go, wow, these guys can play some pickle. The, I didn't realize Machado was so old. <laughs> oh, whoa, guy!
0: You guys do know. your stretching routine on the side of the pickleball court before you go on. I'm I, I don't
1: I don't play pickle with him, but I've seen him out there. I was talking to him about it the other day. We were surfing, and he's that was our conversation was pickle.
0: That's hilarious. Yeah. Wow, man, that's a huge reveal. This is why people listen to spit.
1: <laughs> Dude, pickleball's so much fun. I'm it telling is. you, once you do it, you'll be like, I'm, I'm all in. I've done it. A t- I've been doing it for years,
0: bro. I've been doing it longer than you have. All right, fair enough. I just try to avoid it. Right. I get roped into it by my parents. Right. All right, Scott. Well, hey, great show. Thank you to NVS Fins, nvssurf.com, promo code podcast saves you 10% on your Apex Series Fins. And of course, Neat Essentials USA always.
1: Yeah, man. And um, Kanan, Kanan Cast 15 That's your promo code for some first pair of sunglasses. Um, Kanan.com. Give
0: me the rundown. Boardroom show is happening in October.
1: Yes, October 9th and 10th. All Systems Go. All Systems Go. Honoring Pat Rawson and the icons of foam. Pat and I have been having great discussions lately, and we're going to have a full house at the boardroom show. Most of the booths are sold, we still have a few left, but um, it's gonna be an extravaganza, surfboard extravaganza like you've never experienced and uh, we're geeking out on it. It's gonna be good stuff. Celebrate, it'll be celebration,
0: man. Just like finally getting together again with everybody. Yeah, exactly.
1: Feels like the first time. Cannot wait. Sing it. (laughs) I think (laughs) think we have- I hate that song, by the way. Don't put that song at the end of this. (laughs) Oh Lordy.
0: You sent me something last week. Stevie Ray Vaughan, I think, because you were talking about that documentary.
1: Yeah, Riviera Paradise.
0: All right, that's what we'll go to. Actually, it's already playing underneath our talking right now.
1: Oh, yeah, bro. Until next time, adios and aloha.